Ed, how the heck are you? I'm very good. Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, you, you said in the intro there, will Wayne Rooney ever start? He starts every week. He has special privileges. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's take this week in chronological order, shall we? A pretty horrendous night on Tuesday. So much excitement and joy about being back in the Champions League and a, a really, really bright start from United. They looked... Absolutely at the races and particularly at the races once again looked Luke Shaw, who, you know, in the interest of balance, of course, has not passed away or anything, but uh, very, very, very sad nonetheless. And and I think I shared the experience with a, a lot of different United fans that after that moment, the game uh, really, really lost all meaning actually it was uh it became kind of an uncomfortable watch after that and, and the players looked pretty shaken and considering how shaken I felt watching it on TV can only imagine what they were going through but yeah horrible news and a terrible terrible injury hashtag pray for sure uh, yeah, it was it was no, it was no. rough though right it was really no it was I, I'm uh, I'm being facetious um I, I don't think the reaction was over the top generally I mean it was just it was just uh yeah, really hard on the the lad. I, I was going to say terrible luck, but really, luck is when you know there are no outside forces um, that can be controlled or something like that. And uh, in this case, the defender Hector Moreno came in with a pretty wild challenge and definitely not un, not under control. I mean, uh, reckless or dangerous, define it as you wish. Um, but uh, took the ball with his right leg, studs up and took Luke Shaw full force with his left, and uh, Shaw's broken his leg in two places. The the good news, I suppose, is that uh, everyone's saying it was a clean break and the operation went well, and and the recovery starts now. So 218 days for Aaron Ramsey, apparently, and 296 for Eduardo. So I know which of those I'd wish for Luke Shaw's recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was that moment when it was happening, and you think, oh, my God, is that his ankle? Because if it's his ankle, that could genuinely be his career, at least at the very top level, you know, because coming back from like a horrible shattered ankle or knee or whatever, it's what, especially ankle is, is such a such a huge challenge. But yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, very fortunate as these things go that, as, as you say, it was a clean break, didn't break the skin, all these kind of things, everything that you want. And then I was reading some interview with a doctor who said one of the huge advantages that footballers have in that situation is that they've got incredibly good quality of care immediately. And that makes all the difference for the kind of prognosis. Look, there's, there's a wide range of players who've broken legs and, and come back in you know different guises, right? So um, I mentioned Aaron Ramsey and Eduardo. Uh, who else? Uh, Henrik Larsson had a horrible break of this nature, came back very well as well. Djibril Sissi. It twice Djibril Sissi had run. Yeah, yeah, twice, yeah. yeah. Didn't quite come back. Uh, he wasn't that good to start with. Goodish. You know, Liverpool standard, right? Uh, you know, I guess uh, Eduardo, I mentioned, um, he's the one who really didn't come back to any standard at all. So uh, you hope uh, you hope that he's Luke Shaw isn't restricted by this. Uh, so uh, Van Hal said something interesting afterwards. He said, almost always the operation goes well. Now's the real test. And that's right. So um, no infections, the right kind of care, no complications. Um, I think I think you're right about the ankle. It's the ankle that is ongoing, isn't it? When that's a problem, this doesn't appear to be the case. So, um, so yeah, pretty grim. Um, this this will this will age me a bit, but I was at two games with players with horrible breaks. David Boost uh, that stopped for about 15 minutes while they cleaned the blood off the pitch. Pretty grim that one. He of course never played again. And uh, Dion Dublin, who went down the old tunnel at Old Trafford about three seats from me, and his ankle was definitely going the wrong way. Not pleasant that one. And he came back uh, to have a fine career, just not at United. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope that Luke Shaw comes back to have a fine career at United because what an incredible start to the season he's had. Van Gaal called it the season of Shaw at the beginning and it really has been the season of Shaw. I mean, he's been United's best player by a distance and in the rest of the game against PSV, I think they were. I think it was multifactorial, I think. They were definitely shaken, some of them more than others. But we also just really missed him in the football sense. And then again against Southampton, we really missed him in the football sense. Yeah, a couple of interesting decisions from Van Gaal, really, with the defensive changes that he had. You know, sure went off and he brought Rojo on. 
put him into the centre and Daly Blint to left back, which, you know, logically, I suppose, makes sense. Uh, Rojo definitely played his best football in central defence last season. Blint played his best football at left back. The problem is that he disrupted a, a solid partnership, didn't he? Um, and it didn't seem to make much sense in the context of the game. Did it the other way around against Southampton. Didn't help much either. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Van Gaal got that game against PSV pretty badly wrong, all told, really. Um, apparently, Martial starting was by default because uh, Fellaini was poorly. Uh, that turned out to be a heck of a default. And you were speculating before the Southampton game that Martial would be dropped in favour of Rooney, which fortunately didn't happen. And I, I have to say, I didn't see that one because Van Gaal gets a lot of stuff wrong. But dropping players when they're playing well doesn't tend to be one of them there's a couple he dropped of exceptions. Herrera, though. yeah I was just going to say there's a couple of exceptions to that but Herrera has not been in sparkling form so far this season I don't think he's been bad but he's uh, he's not really had a chance to play himself into form has he uh, I think it was a big mistake to drop Herrera but not as much of a mistake as it would have been to drop Martial but yeah the PSV game after the, the leg break Memphis scores really quickly fantastic stuff but the fact that we conceded immediately and the kind of horrible weird irony of Hector Moreno scoring ended up getting man of the match on the UEFA website it's pretty sick isn't it you've had all manner of ex-pros and um, referees and all that kind of stuff saying oh it was a fair challenge but I think that's well out of order. You know, listen, I'm a big Roy Keane fan, but I am not going to take his word on what counts as a fair challenge. To be honest, I couldn't disagree with Howard Webb more, really. And I thought it was kind of illustrative that the referees didn't appear to agree with themselves. And so Graham Pohl said it was a terrible tackle and should have been a red card. Howard Webb said it was a clean tackle. He actually used the word clean tackle. Um, It was interesting. A couple of years ago, uh, Mike Riley, who's the kind of chief of the Uh, referees professional referees union issued new guidance um in the premier premier league where he said that if you leave the ground with two feet you're liable to to see red so i think in the premier league that would definitely have been red um in europe uh, i guess not although it does seem to be a general problem when a player is in the penalty area or striking the ball that you can do almost anything you like to him um and so once he's he's lost control of the ball or struck the ball um then uh, referees seem to forgive all kinds of wild lunges in the name of defence. Yeah, there was um, part of me that wondered whether if Luke Shaw hadn't been so seriously injured, he would have given a penalty. It was a weird situation, but you know, if it had been if it had been less of a kind of horrendous moment, the referee might have been thinking a bit more clearly. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe he just didn't think it was a foul at all. But I mean, I think it's like, I wouldn't like to be particularly harsh on the ref in that moment because to try and make a good decision in the, under those circumstances is hugely challenging. But it's well, the coverage I, I afterwards mean, it's, that's the thing. It's his, it's his job, yeah? Uh, it's, oh, yeah, but what I mean is I wouldn't be harsh on him for not doing his job as well as he should. You know, just like I wouldn't be as harsh on Juan Mata for missing that chance late on in that game. Well, I guess so, yeah. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I thought we'd cleaned this up in football that um, that just because you get the ball, it doesn't mean that... It's not a foul. Oh, we have. And uh, to take the ball and man with such force is, is um, you know, it's it's clearly dangerous. Well, clearly uh, broke the guy's leg. So uh, what struck me, though, was how many people were, were kind of saying the opposite. They're saying, well, yeah, he got the ball, so it's OK. And uh, isn't that a great tackle? In fact, Roy Keane used the word fantastic tackle. And it, it feels like it's very old school mentality, perhaps a British mentality that uh, tackling is a is a, a thing that's great in, in football and, uh, um, you know, in, in Britain in particular. And, and, and it's just a problem, right? Because no one actually wants to see players get harmed. It is a contact sport, but this is way, way over the top. Yeah. Although, of course, Roy King's mentality is not British. We should make that abundantly clear. Don't worry. We're, we're not saying that. The, the British Isles. Our, our cultural imperialism only extends so far, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think he's. I, I just think it's that hard man thing, and it? it's like it, it was a terrible tackle. He broke his leg in two places. That's pretty. In the in the following game, uh, PSV lost away to Heracles. I think I can't quite remember how to pronounce that one. Uh, and uh, Moreno went studs in, uh, like sort of with a just below the knee high tackle. <laughs> yeah. Got away with that one too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it's fair to say he probably is that kind of player. 
Uh, United basically fell apart after PSV scored, I thought. There was lots of very anodyne possession. Um, there was a really, in the post-match interview, of course, Van Gaal said we controlled blah, 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 all the things you'd expect him to say. But somebody made a really interesting counterpoint, which is if PSV's tactic is to cede possession and defend their space, can you really say you controlled the game? Because actually PSV execute on their game plan perfectly, you know? So I think that was a, a very sound counterpoint to the notion that the only way you can control a game is to have the ball. Right, so when United play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge later this season, United will have 65% possession, Chelsea will have one chance score and win 1-0. Except they won't because Anthony Martial yeah, we'll score three goals. Of course, of course, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's certainly no... It, well, at least it doesn't feel like a kind of strategy to rely on individual brilliance to get you out of a hole. So I don't think United control a lot of games. I think they have possession in areas that don't harm. So against Southampton, for example, we'll come on to that more, United again had 65% possession in the first half, uh, but the vast majority of territory was in the middle third and the defensive third of the pitch. Um, so I think United just just very, very slow, and there's a lot of passes going across the pitch. Of course, against Southampton, they scored a goal after 45 passes, the vast majority of which zigzagged across the pitch. It worked on that occasion. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, PSV sliced through United on a counter-attack, and it was interesting that he played Schweinsteiger and Herrera in the middle of the park. That's a very attacking, attack-minded two in a full... Two, three, one. Uh, un- it was unusually yeah. so. And Mata played centrally. And for the first few minutes of that game, I thought Mata Memphis Martial worked very, very well indeed with Youngie chipping in. You know. Yep. Yep. Uh, Schweinsteiger, somewhat. I mean, he does it brilliantly, but he's somewhat hamstrung. So if you compare the heat maps, I haven't looked against uh, Southampton, but if you compare the Liverpool heat map to the um, PSV ha- heat map. Schweinsteiger is playing much deeper. He's he's the deeper man instead of the more advanced man, which is what he is when he plays alongside Schneiderlin or Carrick. Right, as you'd kind of expect with Herrera alongside him. Yeah, absolutely. So he was going back, and it kind of somewhat hamstrings him, but he still managed to pull off the pass of the night. That uh, incredible ball to Mata, which Mata kind of really fluffed, totally fluffed. Yeah, yeah Mata had a very but... poor game, and uh, it's unfortunate, really, uh, for those of us who think that um, he, he should be able to flourish at number 10, that he did that. He, he's had so few chances at United at number 10. The narrative appears to be that uh, he's no good when he's at number 10, at least that's, uh, that's the one that you hear on social media. I try to block this out. So few games at number 10 and, and gets chances time. He was very poor against PSV, um, which is a shame, really, um, uh, because, you know, in, in theory, that felt just like just a beautifully balanced attack, didn't it? With managed to get in all the players you'd like to see, Herrera and Mata and Martial and Memphis, and I suppose Young's in there, just, you know, a bit of tokenism there. One of the mediocre players thrown in just for good measure. If you can't have Rooney, you've got to have Youngie, right? I'd have Youngie over Rooney every single day of the week at the moment. God, you're just always, you look like a broken record, Paul. Just bash, 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 bash. The, the, the matter was terrible narrative in that game. I think there's some truth to it, but I thought he was excellent before Shaw's injury, actually. I thought there was a lot of fluidity that there there hadn't been with other people at number 10. That kind of fell off. A, a player whose performance didn't fall away, a word for Memphis who took his goal very well, but Martial was brilliant in that game and it was really heartening because the Liverpool thing was such a kind of condensed, magical moment that you wondered... You know that doesn't. You don't necessarily translate that out to he's going to lead the line and be a really effective all-round centre forward. Because as you said last week on the show, he hadn't been involved until the the goal against right. Liverpool against PSV. Totally different story. Right, Ran right. the show. Yeah, completely. I mean, you see him coming into the club, and there's Wayne Rooney now, the senior man at United, and you think, well, there should be a sort of master-apprentice relationship. Well, there is. Martial's the master. (laughs) Absolutely. He certainly uh, looked five times the centre-forward that Rooney has so far this season. Yeah. You know, clearly, I'm only Um, semi-kidding. Martial's got it all, and, and it's really early to say something like this and I'm kind of wary of saying it but but he has fantastic pace brilliant awareness of other players around him an ability to bring other players into play he can go both ways off both feet he's 
incredibly composed. Uh, he can take a player on. He, he looks like he's got the lot, doesn't he? And just a great number nine. And I, I can't see any reason why you'd pull him out of the side now. You know, look, there'll be times during the season where he's inconsistent, I'm sure, you know. Van Hull has already flagged this one up and you expect that from young players. Maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll prove us all wrong or maybe he'll be, this is it. This is like running high on adrenaline. It'll be terrible for the rest of the season. But he feels like he's got everything and he gives United um, a completely different dimension to playing Rooney up there. Unfortunately, that means that Rooney now comes back at number 10 and he just stinks there as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's, you know, win with one and lose with the other. (laughs) It looks like a really vital signing and I think it really explains a lot about United's summer transfer strategy if if it turns out this is the kind of centre-forward Martial actually is. Although, given his scoring record, like... I don't know how you could have predicted that this would be what Martial would be like. but Right, and he barely ever played at number nine either for Monaco. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why, you know, you, you kind of just have to hold back a little bit, although everyone is obviously very excited. Yeah, the future prediction is one thing, but the analysis of what has happened so far, there's no need for holding back there, right? Because it has been a superb start. The defence fell apart without Shaw and actually all, all well, both of PSV's goals came as a result of mistakes that I don't think would have happened if Shaw was on the pitch, even though uh, one of them, the ball came in from the other side. Yeah, over, over Rocco's head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Blint and Rocco got them. And I thought of you watching Blint try and chase back for that one. <laughs> Looking like he was running through some sort of thick liquid. It was uh, it was a difficult moment for Daily Blind, but kind of yeah. like not really his fault because it was some pretty poor centre back work. But again, like you can't even really be too harsh on Rojo, I don't think, because he hasn't played for months. No, exactly. So that was his first competitive football of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, um, the decision around Rojo and Blint, I mean, they're the only players, right? There's no other option unless you bring Paddy McNair in. And, uh, or young left young, back. Oh, jeez, Christ. Um, yeah, no, no, let's not do that. Uh, so, like within the game, it, I guess it made sense to bring Rojo on. It was just disrupting that centre back partnership. It made no sense uh, in the context of the game at all. Uh, conversely, I'd have probably done it the other way around against Southampton. You, Rojo's then had um, nearly a whole game and a few more days to get fitter and sharper. And and I guess um, over the piece, he'll be playing a lot, and it makes much more sense for Rojo to play in central defence and Daley Blint play at left back. Blint was actually pretty good at left back last season. Let's let's not forget he that was definitely where he played his best football. I kind of disagree. I think I think the Smalling Blint partnership has been effective in all bar one game so far this season. So and he was horribly exposed against Swansea. Yeah, so, that's the only one uh, though. He was. He, yeah, but he was horribly exposed. <laughs> sure, but he was absolutely excellent in other games. So you know. But but then you're 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 basically giving up on your left back, which has been a fantastic attacking outlet for United this season. So Rojo is not going to give you anywhere near the attacking output at left back. Just not going to do it unless you switch Darmian, who's had two dodgy games in a row now. Perhaps we were a bit, bit uh, hot on the trigger there, praising him at the beginning of the season. Yeah, what a word of caution about Anthony Martial's future. Um, no, that's fair enough. He's he's played a lot of football as well in a short space of time under very intense circumstances. So it was actually a really good decision to bring Antonio Valencia on for Darmian at right back at half time against Southampton with WadeSentences.com. Was it right? So I guess you're proven out by whether it's a success or not so Darmian didn't have a good first half didn't have a great game against PSV either made a mistake that led to one of the goals but if we're pulling the trigger on players after a dodgy 45 minutes I mean there's a lot of players who could have the trigger pulled on them so it's interesting that one so you know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about having the the two best fullbacks in the league in Darmian and Shaw now what have we got we're going to be playing with Rojo and Valencia are we? (laughs) Yeah not the two best fullbacks in the league in my opinion we'll see if Darmian gets his place back I I think there's a decent chance that he will Uh, he dropped a pie um, dropped Memphis at half time uh, against Liverpool and put him back into the side and then played him again uh, today Rojo was actually quite effective in an attacking sense on the left against Southampton I thought he's definitely contributed to Martial's first goal We'll see over the the course of a bit of time. I mean, Van Gaal's rationale, he said, uh, the difference between them is that Rojo's played a lot at left-back for Argentina, so there's a a logic to that. 
the, the counterpoint to that, of course, is that Rocco's also played a lot more at centre-back than Daly Blint. So, you know, <laughs> that's an argument which is very is framed very conveniently for Van Gaal. But yeah, the defending fell apart. Uh, even David De Gea couldn't save us uh, against PSV. And it's a big loss, right? I mean, obviously losing Shaw is, is just huge because it, it creates so much disruption. But also uh, very bad to lose the opening Champions League game. Um, and it's going to be a, a slog to get out of that group and a heck of a slog to finish top of it. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. It's now looking like a difficult group after we talked about it not being such a difficult group. Um, I think I think that, that kind of analysis was always a little bit wrong. I feel like I'm backtracking on myself here. Um, it was never the easiest group in the Champions League. Uh, PSV, very, very good record at home. Wolfsburg, um, a, a team with an excellent record in Bundesliga, in a you know, one-team Bundesliga uh, and I don't think anyone ever fancies going to Moscow. So it's going to be, it's go- definitely going to be difficult from for United from here. Home games are going to be really important because United's record on the road isn't super, uh, honestly. Um, and uh, it's it's you know, United are going to have to bounce back that phrase again uh, from that defeat pretty quickly and and get a win next time out. Uh, otherwise, God, if if uh, somehow um, United don't uh, take three points to the next one at home. Then, then you're looking at zero or one point and a real uphill battle already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they've started the bounce backing process. No, that's not how that sentence goes. Bouncing back process. Lots of bounce back ability. Uh, yeah, they have got bounce back ability. Good job too, because they keep slamming themselves into the floor. A, a really, 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 really big win against Southampton because Saturday Arsenal lost, City lost. It felt like, oh, we've got an actual opportunity. Oh, well, we're definitely not going to win this then. Uh, but we did it. We beat them, even though we went 1-0 down. In After the first 10 minutes, I almost tweeted this, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. It's like, I'm quite glad we've played, played badly in this first 10 minutes because our starting games really well has not gone well for us. But we started absolutely rotten in that game. But... In the end, there was triumph. There was, yeah. I'm not sure it looked like it after the first half. I mean, it was a pretty dreadful first half, wasn't it? Just, I mean, loads and loads of possession, um, but just not a lot of cutting edge. So um, 60-odd percent possession at halftime and and one shot on target. It just didn't feel like there was any zip to United's play at all. But it all changed. Second half was so much better. United um, didn't make a lot of tactical changes, but uh, were able to push further forward. Uh, played at a bit more pace and uh, and came out on top. Um, Martial with a, a great double, very very com- well, you know, gifted one, I suppose. But super composure, lovely turn in the box for his first. Uh, yeah, brilliant. And and Mata did well as well in the build up, which was good. I, I thought Mata had a, a much better game, and then he he finished his chance very well as well, which was nice after the the, the difficulties he'd had in midweek. Just, yeah, wonderful from Martial on, on both occasions. And, and even though the, the one was gifted to him, it's still then a one-on-one with the keeper. The, he's got time to think and all that kind of stuff. But he, he did his job brilliantly. Again, uh, another really super composed finish. And, and as you said in the conversation prior, he just, it's early days, but it looks like he's got everything. Right. And, and, you know... It's hugely significant that it looks like he's got everything, even though it is early days, because then when he goes out of form, you still have this kind of certainty that here's a player with the the full package at his disposal. And it's interesting that he's two years younger than Memphis and has had a lot less football than Memphis, but is uh, showing him a thing or two about how to step up to United. Well, right, yeah. And at the moment, it's hard to say Memphis is having a very good season, really. He's finding the transition a little difficult. Uh, didn't didn't really have a brilliant game against Southampton. Didn't really have a brilliant game against PSV either, though took his goal superbly well. I thought he was better against Southampton than he's been in almost any game this season, apart from the Brugge game. That's not saying a huge amount, but I think he's definitely releasing the ball quicker. Yeah, he has to, and, he def- and he'll certainly be helped with more pace around him. Def- definitely exactly, helped. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The problem is, of course, he cuts inside. Uh, there's uh, someone in the number 10 zone there that's not going to help him. Rooney, not shots, not goals, not assists, 
Nought chances created, nought crosses, one take on. Well done, Waza. Uh, 50 out of his 56 passes completed, although 36 were backwards or sidewards. Yeah, so th- those are... That was our number 10. That's Those are terrible, terrible, terrible numbers, and he had a terrible, terrible, terrible game. Uh, a, a kind of stand-up row with Van Gaal on the touchline near the end of that, which interesting. We'll see where that one goes. Um, yeah, the trainer coach wasn't happy about something. I mean, presumably the trainer coach wasn't happy about how terrible Rooney was because he can't keep playing him. He can't. At some point, he's just going to drop him. He's got better options. You know, right now, how would that team be worse off with Herrera at 10 in that game? Well, it wouldn't. And it is beginning to look like some kind of vandalism on the team at the moment. We can't help but talk about Rooney on the show and um, I'd love to be talking about how Wayne just bagged a hat-trick and is one of the three best players in the world and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it, it's just not the case. But far from being like a passenger, it's, it's almost negative. I mean, it probably is net negative to, to have Rooney in the team just for the sake of it all of the time now. And, and uh, we've got other options, right? You know, Massey could go inside young wide right. Um, Herrera could play number 10, play a different mix of midfielders uh, in the centre. Uh, there, there are options um, that don't involve Wayne Rooney playing at 9 or 10. But the the problem is, you know, he's he's got those special privileges, so he's definitely going to play. So the you know one one player has to go, and it's before the game. I thought it'd be Martial. We had a bit of a debate about it. I figured that if Martial played, he'd have to drop Herrera or Massa or both. Chance chance of that as well. If if Young had come into the side, and in the end it was Herrera. And United's passing just always looks better with Herrera. Um, I I I don't think he's really a ten either, Herrera. I think he's more like an eight. And eight and a half if if there's such a player um you know the ball moves quicker with him in the side and I, I think you have to do everything to get him in there and, and Rooney at the moment is is not contributing and slowing United's play down um and not helping the tactics as they stand and breaking up counter-attacks and you know unstable touches and all that kind of stuff it's Listen, I said this last week or maybe the week before or maybe the week before that or maybe the week before that. But, you know, if you're a huge Rooney fan and you totally believe in him, good luck to you. I I definitely have been a huge fan of the way that Rooney's played the game uh, in the past, but I'm not a huge fan of the way he's playing the game at the moment. No. One thing I'd say, though, the Hollywood ball was working, actually. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, Five long balls from left to right from Rooney and only one out of... uh, uh, didn't didn't hit its target. So yeah, well done, Weza. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I mean, the fact that then the defense gets to totally reset itself doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's fine. So no, enough about Rooney. Let's talk about the good. And and there was quite a bit of good in that game for United. Martial's first goal, absolutely lovely, turning Van Dijk, uh, seeing him on his ass, uh, and just a lovely composed finish. The finish of a twenty-nine-year-old. Uh, experienced international player, not a 19-year-old kid in uh, in his second game in English football. And then 45 passes for United's second goal, third goal, second goal? Third goal. Third goal, third goal. Uh, And um, a a very nice move. Uh, On Twitter, someone put a vine up of uh, of that goal to the music from Benny Hill, slightly sped up and actually looks like United playing a very nice tempo. Uh, In actual fact, that Goal took about 12 minutes to score. Two minutes of possession before the goal, which is the Van Gaal dream. Because he said, the, he, he was asked about it in the post-match interview and the grin on his face was beautiful because, you know, that's the theory. The theory isn't just that you pass, 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 pass. The theory is that you pass, 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 exhaust the opposition, pull them out of shape, exploit the moment and score. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that, is, that is the goal that Van Gaal wants, for sure. Has it actually happened like that before? (laughs) Not often. Maybe this is the first of many. Talking of the first of many, this wasn't the first, but one of many. Schweinsteiger having played five ninety minutes since the 30th of August uh, was rested for the start of this one. And we just looked a totally different team with him on the pitch. Uh, I've got a big, big football crush on Bastian Schweinsteiger. He's definitely in that Robin Van Persie camp of, totally. oh yeah, I heard he was brilliant. I didn't know he was this brilliant, you know. No, he's he's fantastic. Um, he doesn't need to play against Ipswich, of course. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's hope he doesn't. No. Um, but no, he's he's he, he has to play. Um, and that actually, I mean, it makes the balance of United's midfield, well, it makes the choice a little tricky for Van Hull. He, he dro- actually dropped Schneiderlin for the previous couple of games, didn't 
isn't he? Problem is, Schneiderlin is actually very, very effective in a defensive sense. Uh, and so that kind of leads you to think that Carrick should go and Carrick's the smartest use, user of the ball in the uh, United squad. I guess it's a good problem to have, but uh, trying to get the right balance from uh, two of those three at the moment, not quite decided, but Schweinsteiger's got to play. Yeah, and but even when he doesn't play, the luxury of being able to bring him on when we were ahead and then he just totally shores up the game and also helps provide another goal because he passed the ball to Memphis and created that, who did really well to create that chance for Mata. It was a bit of a shame he couldn't score it himself, really, although I thought it was nice for Mata to get to redeem himself after the miss at midweek. But yeah, Schweinsteiger's his presence is unbelievable. Like the kind of tangible Cantona-esque aura around him. It's really, really noticeable when you see the effect that he has on the players around him. And, and you know, we talk a lot about captaincy and Van Gaal talks about vice captains and third captains and all this kind of stuff. But there's only one de facto leader of that team when Schweinsteiger's on the pitch, you know. Right, he's the daddy, no <laughs> doubt. No, <laughs> yeah. no doubt. No, it's yeah. solved an awful lot of problems just making captain you know he is he is the captain yeah and uh, and of course then he could have this special privileges <laughs> that would be so nice i really like that we had a bit of a debate earlier about the the substitution at half time for valencia the one substitution that was just a total nightmare was bringing on paddy mcnair for marcus rojo I, i'm sure this is a classic van gaal match rhythm pre-planned sports science substitution but my goodness putting a kid at the heart of that defense at that stage of the game was just such a kind of provided such a kind of shaky atmosphere it, it, it might have been very sensible for the all the sports science and and rojo getting tired it was dumb game management Sorry. There are many, many things to be impressed about with Van Hal. He's very funny in press conferences. Uh, he's extremely confident. He's got a, a kind of character and aura about him. He has a fantastic record. The players respect him, maybe even fear him a little bit. But his use of substitutes, can't say I'm very impressed. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, I actually haven't analysed it and gone and, and looked at each of the games or something. It's a feeling I have. They don't seem to go right very often. I, I have the same feeling. They they seem bad. That's you know his game management seems quite poor. I think are, are they as bad as David Moyes? Is I mean Moyes Moyes the epitome of Moyes was uh, bringing on Smalling for Rooney. Uh, it, that was against Southampton as well, wasn't it? At home. <laughs> poor old Am David I remembering Moyes. that correctly? <laughs> yeah. That, that was like peak Moyes, wasn't it? But, Although, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess if you look at the impact on because you can, we can debate the effectiveness in the long term and the kind of effect on Damian and all that stuff. But if you look at just this game, you'd have to say Valencia did a really good job in the second half, and Schweinsteiger for Carrick was an Im- improvement. So two out of the three subs are are positive, have a positive impact on the game. It's just that the one that doesn't has such a kind of disruptive, negative influence on the game, and although it did help I think create one of the game's most incredible moments David De Gea is back he's back he's back the heaven bless uh, a blessing upon the complexities of the transfer system and Real Madrid's in poor paperwork skills thank you broken fax machines or passwords that United didn't send over or (laughs) shenanigans or the fact that Real Madrid didn't really want him in the first place whatever it is thank you um a wonder save from Dave. Van Gaal said in his post-match, uh, you can see this is why we made it difficult for Real Madrid in the summer, yes? <laughs> yeah, but then he went on to praise Romero and say Romero's <laughs> made good saves too. Um, I seem to remember him letting in a couple of dodgy ones in the last time he played. He did. At first I was like, what are you doing? But then but then he kind of switched gears and started, because that happened before the nice stuff about De Gea. Um Absolutely outstanding performance. That one, I mean, that one is up there with his greatest United saves where he reaches his hand behind him to scoop the ball out. One of those that that kind of looks human and normal in in slow motion. But if you see that in real time, it's just a staggering achievement of reflexes. It's one of those things where I think if you tried it, you would realise how close to impossible it is. There's there's a tiny handful of goalkeepers would have stopped that. Right. Dave's interesting as a a keeper because he's not technically correct. You know, he goes with both the top hand and the bottom hand uh, across the same side. So depending on 
I guess, what he feels like. So uh, the the classical coaching method was that you'd go with your your the correct hand, the right hand to go right and the left hand to go left. Um, more modern coaches tend to teach it the other way. So if you're diving right, you go with the left hand because it's higher and therefore more likely to get to the ball if it's a high shot. He goes with both, depending on what he feels like. Yeah. So some idiosyncrasies there in his technique, um, but it works, right? It's stunning save. Uh, pulled off another couple of very good ones as well. Uh, and, um, you know, just he's the daddy, isn't he? The one thing I'd say about um, when Fellaini's not playing, and uh, I mean, maybe it's worse when Fellaini is playing, but when Fellaini's not playing, United are a small side. And so United, United are kicking it long. You know, yeah, you, you talking about this the, last week. The, long balls forward is very very low so you know I'd like to see if United are going to go for this possession game just play out from the back all the time um, it just doesn't make any sense just to uh, gift possession to the opposition. Yeah, there was one extremely good pass uh, straight up the middle. I can't remember who it was that received it, but it was notably a very fine pass, but much of his kicking. I think his kicking's a problem. I, I think, you know, you, you said last week he's rusty and that kind of explained the really shoddy kick out against Liverpool. And I think you're right, but I, don't, I do not think his kicking's as good as it should be. But who cares? Because my goodness, his uh, goalkeeping is very much as good as it should be. Uh, that Wanyama say, um, I think Gary Neville said it's like a more normal save but it was still it's like it's up the very upper echelons of normal um, that that was one that a few more goalkeepers might have saved but it still was extremely well done uh, in the moment that's right well he actually pulled off two great saves from Wanyama the one where he's gone across with the right hand or the wrong hand, depending on which you believe. He's actually gone with the right ha- his right hand when diving to his right, which is not how coaches would teach it these days. Saved that one. He also saved a fantastic shot from Wanyama in the build-up to Southampton's goal. Stunning oh, reaction yeah, save. Yeah. He's pushed it straight. I'm, I'm not sure I'd be too critical on that um, because he's, he's, it's point blank. And then the, the stunning one from the cross... Header, corner. Yeah, that was uh, That he's Fonte. basically clawed out from behind him from Fonte, yeah. So, yeah, three good ones there. And then another good one towards the, the end of the game, sort of in 92nd, 93rd minute. So, um, uh, he, you know, it's it's a vitally important part of of uh, United's team. And, and um, I think we can see already how many points United would have been down if uh, if he'd been transferred. We've got two fantastic competitions on the podcast this week. Um, uh, one of them's going to run for two weeks and one of them's going to run for a week. So we're going to do the one that runs for a week first. A friend of mine at Cal Gildart, um, who is a United fan and a wonderful pop artist, has put together an absolutely beautiful print of the squad it kind of really retro it looks like an old-fashioned album cover i'll tweet out a link i have done already but um you can win that print if you can name come up with a funny name or or a good name for the band that that print represents so um i'll I'll, it'll be my pinned tweet so you can have a look at it on twitter so come up with a good a good name for that and and use hashtag rankcast that the band that is that would put out that album and you know bonus points if you come up with a name for the album and all that stuff but it's fantastic and um cal's also done a thing where um if you use the code rankcast on his etsy shop which i'll also link to in that in that pinned tweet you get a 20 percent discount off prints there's an eric Cantona one skulls one aquino one they're really nice they're really stylized and pop arty and clever and brilliant and i, I very, just very nice yeah the the the, the print I, I was so he he's been planning it for a while and when he showed it to me I was super excited because it just looks brilliant it's got all the the squad names and numbers around the outside like they were the track listings it's got Schweinsteiger and nothing matter and just LVG and these like 60s bubble letters it looks absolutely mint anyway so a great memento of this odd time in United's uh, career but beautifully done um, so that's that that competition is running for one week we will announce the winner of that on next week's Rankcast so please get your answers to us uh, Saturday the 26th 
um, at uh, just before the Sunderland kickoff, basically. Uh, if you can get us, get us your answers before the kickoff against Sunderland, then you'll be eligible to answer. And you have to use the hashtag Rankcast, otherwise I won't be able to find your entry. The next competition is going to run for a couple of weeks, and that is to give away uh, two copies of Jamie Jackson's new book, all being well, Jamie will be on the show next week and uh, the book is about Moyes' season and LVG's first season in charge. It's called A Season in the Red, Managing in the Shadow of Sir Alex Ferguson and, and it's a, a really good read. Um, and you can win that by, uh, basically, if you use the hashtag Rankcast again and if you uh, come up with a good reason why you would have been a better choice for manager than uh, either Moyes or Van Gaal in those uh, two seasons. Um, but we'll be announcing the winner of that in two weeks' time because uh, we're going to talk to Jamie about his book next week. Awesome. That's that's really great stuff. And uh, good luck with the uh, the pop-up print. Well, I'd say good luck, but seeing, seeing as I am going to win it, clearly. Am I allowed to enter? I'm afraid uh, Rankcast employees are ineligible from entry. That's me, you and Tom. So... So unfair, so unfair. Okay, should we ask some uh, Twitter questions? Let's do it. At KMM1486 says, How good will the front six be when LVG realises Rooney's best position is in the director's box? Ouch. Just wanted to point out that it is not just us. Um, At, I'm just going to say, U-H-H-T-O-M-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Says, is Martial the best player to play any sport ever? Pretty sure, pretty sure that is definitely true. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's uh, there's my, my, Michael Jordan, Leo Messi, Usain Bolt, Martial. No, no doubt, no doubt. Maybe in ten years' time, that might actually be true. At I am Kuchibatia says, talk more about Martial and avoid talking about Rooney getting boring and repetitive. Sorry, should have definitely read these before we started the show. Yeah, you know, there's a fix for that boring and repetitive thing. It's to, like, not tune in, guys. It's your choice. Yeah, or persuade Van Gaal to drop Rooney. Yeah, but then we'll be talking about how he's dropped Rooney. (laughs) But in a positive way. At Stephen Simon, Simon Stephen's friend in the Rankcast, says, after LVG's comments the other week, who do you think should be, and I think this is the really interesting part of the question, who do you think should choose the next manager? So, of course, Van Gaal said that uh, Giggs was going to be the next manager of Manchester United, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have Ferguson levels of empowerment to make that decision. Well, he's going to be the, the football man that is Ed Woodward. Uh, and the football men that are the Glazer family. Um, yeah, good, good question, really. I, I guess the, the brain trust of all of them will get together, uh, work out whether this is an opportunity to squeeze some more money out of the club and take it for themselves. Uh, and then they'll pick a new manager. Uh, they took a bunch of money out this week. They did. Uh, they took, well, uh, yeah, they're, they're taking dividends of £15 million a year. Uh, so they announced in the quarter three results i suppose it's their right right it's a listed company so they can take dividends i'm tired of having arguments with people in any sphere uh, along that line though so you know i'm a supporter and i'd rather the money was plowed back into the club rather than going to six glazer children who um three of them have zero to do with the club at all and and the other three have uh, done a lot of damage over the last 10 years um but yeah i think and as for who's going to be the next manager i you know, Van Gaal wants it to be Giggs. He's training him up. He obviously sees something in him, although it might just be that Van Gaal just wants to retire. Because really, when he looks the most happy, the two times I've seen him look happiest, one was when he was talking about that goal with all the passes, and the other was when he was talking about when he gets to retire. So I think he might not. He might just have slightly checked out by about who's going to be United's next manager. Yeah, Mirror ran and quote unquote exclusive this weekend in which they. Uh, said Van Gaal will leave the club in 18 months time the exact date when his contract runs out and he said he's going to retire it's been a been a week for those kind of exclusives because Paul Hayward in the Telegraph ran an exclusive that Fergie retired because his wife's sister passed away and, and which he, he'd he said, already said yeah, about two years ago literally said in that exclusive he's finally revealed why he retired it's like he was asked at the time why are you retiring he said because Kathy's sister died like there's something wrong with them. Um, I, I did take great joy, as did about four million other people, in tweeting that uh, mirror back page uh, that says, "What a waste of money!" About uh, 
Antonio Martial and, and United spending uh, by David McDonald in the, the Mirror. Uh, he must be seriously sick of that. He probably didn't write the headline himself, um, but he's going to follow him forever. <laughs> I mean, he definitely he de- definitely didn't write the headline himself. I feel bad for him, to be honest, because it was a reasonable story about uh, kind of you know a, a data analysis study it wasn't like some but you know obviously it got splashed in a way that makes them look very silly now although early days of course the gentleman that asked us not to talk about Rooney seems to be at odds with everyone else sending in Twitter questions this week so out of the millions of Rooney related questions um, this is a serious one from at Eddie Rose 13 who says what will it actually take for Rooney to be dropped like really what would it really take for Rooney to be dropped an injury yeah I mean that seems to be what it is right injury suspension those are the two options although someone else I've just put my phone away so I'm not sure who it was sorry but someone else asked what were were Louis and um, Rooney fighting about and assuming it wasn't who gets to pick Rio up in the morning um, maybe they'll have a falling out and he'll get dropped that way maybe they will uh, Chris loves you directs a question at you Paul he said after today's performance would you care if Marshall gave you an STD I'm very upset about that question yes I would because it would be a very complex series of lifestyle choices that would go into that happening truth True. We're a liberal show, though, Paul. So, um, you know, just think about it. Be open minded. Hey, you know. Very good. Let's move on from that nastiness. Two, uh, a game in midweek against Ipswich. Come on, uh, give us your best analysis. Uh, Tell us all about Ipswich. Mick McCarthy manages Ipswich. They play in blue. Bobby Robson, Roy Keane, escape to victory. Ipswich. Escape to victory? Yeah, they uh, had Ipswich players and Pele in it. They did, yeah. That's right. That's right. And and uh, Bobby, Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore, yeah. Very good. What a, qu- what a great movie that is. Can we just talk about that instead? Absolute classic. When they work out that Sylvester Stallone, he doesn't really understand football, but they get to him to play in goal because he's good with his hands because he's an American. And he pulls off yeah. a not particularly convincing, brilliant save. He is, he, and motorbikes. Ozzy Ardiles is also in that movie. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what do we know about Ipswich? Uh, not a lot, got to say. Um, there, there are many football leagues I like watching. And uh, I know this is sacrilegious to many of you who think it's real football, but I really don't watch much of the championship. So uh, tweet us with your abuse. If you're Ipswich fans, uh, but... No, tweet Ed. Well, I don't think you watch Ipswich either, do you? No, but I wasn't, you know, dismissing You weren't going to admit it. Only because, only because I haven't got time, because I'm watching so much other football. So, I'm, I'm looking through their squad. Um, I, I know a couple of players. Christoph Berra, former Hearts uh, defender, Scottish player, um, now playing at Ipswich. He wasn't very much good then, probably not any good now. <laughs> Feel free to unsubscribe, everyone, if you want to. We do deserve it for that. Um, given that we're not going to provide a tremendous um, amount of insight into Ipswich's relative strengths, we could have at least looked up their recent results, couldn't we? I mean, we have got the internet. I've got my phone in my hand as we speak. But uh, one thing that I think is interesting is how Van Gaal will approach this. Obviously, uh, last season, he just played all the kids in, in a, a fundamentally a youth team with De Gea in it. Um, and it did not go well. Did not go well that game. I don't know if you remember it. I do. I have not quite scrubbed that one from my mind. No, it's uh, pretty bad at Melton Keynes. Um, so the thing is, he hasn't got much of a squad at the moment. So he can't play only kids. There just aren't that many of them. Um, he could pull some out of the under-21s. But um, his squad is actually pretty small. So who are the players who really need some games in the first team? Not many. Um Maybe Valencia, maybe Romero, Victor Valdez? No, probably not. <laughs> Seen uh, in London having dinner, apparently, this week. Who else? McNair could do the game. Uh, Pereira, it would be nice to see him. I assume he'll play. Um, uh, not too many others. I mean, they're just they're just a very small squad at the moment. Uh, and then are there a couple of from the under 20 watts? Pereira, Lingard, Wilson, McNair and a first team. That's what I would, that's what I would do. 
I think he put all four of them in there. Probably play Martial again because why not? He's going to struggle. Lingard, sorry, I thought Lingard for a second. There. I was going to say he's going to struggle playing him. He's definitely left the club. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. I know Lingard's left the club, but Jesse Lingard, in spite of being forgotten by many people, has actually not left. And Van Gaal called him and uh, Pereira out as players who'd be involved this season. So I, I will be surprised if Lingard does not play. And, and Wilson will have to play still at the club. Yeah. Um, unbelievably. But uh, yeah, he is. Uh, lots of talk about him going out on loan. But it's impossible to do with United's resources stretched this thin at the moment. Actually. Yeah, I think if Rooney hadn't got injured when he did, Wilson wouldn't be at the club now. Um, but he did. And that's that's probably a good thing. Although a bit difficult for Wilson because uh, he's not going to get a lot of football, is he? Uh, he's not going to get inside ahead of Martial at the moment. So Ipswich, I've I've called up their results and they drew with Birmingham this weekend. Uh, that's never a good result. That was at home as well. Uh, they lost 5-1 to Reading on the 11th of September. This game's at Old Trafford. Um, if you live nearby, you're probably going to be able to get a ticket because uh, I'm not sure this bad boy is going to be sold out. Someone You can buy as many tickets as you like <laughs> at the moment, of course, on general sale. Um, but they are doing the, the decent thing and, and the under-16s get in for a fiver. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. It's, you know, we give the club a hard time and rightly so a lot of the time, but, you know, that's just very brilliant that they're doing that. It is, yeah. And actually, I'm not sure of the rules in the Carling Cup, but certainly in the FA Cup, the opposition has to agree to that because they they split the gates. Uh, It might not be the case in the Carling Cup, but uh, it might have been that Ipswich had to agree to it. Uh, Lack of rule understanding there from Ed, the intricacies of of football administration. And I watched FIFA the movie as well. (laughs) whatever it's called, <laughs> to get real insight into football administration. After Ipswich, we play a team that are theoretically supposed to be better than a championship side, who somehow are unbelievably still not a championship side, even though, my goodness, they should have been relegated about a thousand times in the last few years. Sunderland come to Old Trafford um, in the last... Theoretically, these are the last two. If we don't win these two games, that's very bad, given the games we've got coming up uh, after that. These are the last two fixtures which on paper look like the obviously winnable ones. Sunderland, uh, as soon as you think about Sunderland, if you're me, you think about O'Shea and Brown. Another year on, they're still going, right? They There was some talk that they'd released Wes Brown in the summer, but I don't believe they actually did. No, right. Um, amazing. Uh, Sunderland are just... Dreadful. They're just dreadful. And they they desperately need something from this as well because they, they play Manchester City in the League Cup. They're going to get spanked there by City's kids, no doubt. Uh, then they after us, they play West Ham. West Ham in very good form. Then they go to West Brom. So, um, they're, yeah, they're in deep trouble already, Sunderland. Uh, the shocking series of results. They've got two points um, and they just look like a dreadful side. And Dick Advocate has got to be regretting staying on at the club, I'd think. So um, I, I'd think the odds are very heavily on Sunderland getting relegated, uh, you'd think. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, very much hope I'm going to that game. And I very much hope if I do that Wes Brown will play. Because any excuse to see Wes Brown is always a joy. One of, one of my faves, Ed. Always, always did love Wes Brown. Very good. And definitely a, a link to a bygone era at United now. Uh, is there anyone left that played with him? Rooney, Carrick? Yeah. That's got to, that's got to be Those it, two, right? and, and Giggsy on the bench. Yeah, of course, yeah. I was thinking, like, uh, that's when that record goes, again, it was just McNair was the only only youth product uh, in the squad. Um, and people will go, oh, there's no United youth product on United's bench. Yes, there is. We've made him assistant manager. He might not be exactly a youth <laughs> anymore, but he's still on the bench. <laughs> yeah, Van Hull was talking about uh, the youth system this week, and he was talking about Martial and, and Sean Depay um, as as part of the youth system. An interesting analysis from, from uh, Van Hull, a hundred and something million pounds spent on those. Things. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that's a kind of a bit of a languagey thing as well, maybe, isn't it? Um, but the the truth is those are very forward minded signings they're not short termist investment are they this is not about buying the players who are going to make you know make you win the league that season and then you've got to buy a whole load of new players in that they are kind of infrastructure signings aren't they um 
They are, uh, yeah, and and all of them have a sort of you know the future in mind. Of course, you know, it's in the same way that Ferguson used to talk about young players, and we're a club for young players. In fact, he was talking about this uh, that this week again, wasn't he? Um, so yeah, sure, they're young players. They're still acquisitions, and and there's still plenty of question marks around whether oh, yeah, United sure. are producing enough. Actually, for most of the top Premier League sides, it's super hard when the the investment in new players is so high. Um, it's super hard for young players to to get in the side, and it's it's you know there are very very few opportunities for United this season. That's why the Carling Cup's important. So some of those players will get a game. It will be you know part of very little football they get this season if they don't get on go out and loan because there aren't a lot of games at under twenty one level. And that's a huge problem that they have to do something about because it's it's just what's happened to the youth system is very it's a very strange process, isn't it? A really interesting interview with Chris Waddle on the uh, Graham Hunter podcast, which is well, well worth listening to if you like podcasts about football. I, I haven't listened to that it's particular really good, one. Um, I, I do like uh, Graham Hunter's podcast. Yeah, very, very high quality uh, stuff. Uh, can you understand Waddle on it? Though? <laughs> do you I need can. a translator? No, I, I speak Geordie. Um, but it was, it was really he was talking about, you know, this is a refrain you hear quite often from players of his type. But that the academy system is a, you should so they should sort of start formal training much later, because they they kind of take the joy out of the game and you take the improvisation out of the game and you kind of generate all these automatons instead of kind of somewhat more free thinking players, um, which I, I can see some merit to that argument. The kind of very rigid academy system though is what produced Spain, uh, and they're they're incredible success over the last few years well pro they're different from processes and and uh, and talent now I, I don't think those spanish players are overtrained no. and, and they do start at a very young age i mean they small sided games of course on small pitches and and that kind of thing but um I, I'm, not, I'm i don't think andres iniesta is lacking for individualistic talent or free thinking or anything like that he certainly is not um he's one of the players that's benefited from van Gaal's coaching mm. so so a couple of players who do lack individualistic talent i've made that word up but uh jonas kabul uh sebastian coates that's going to be a tasty looking back line for united to have a go at uh, <laughs> martial might have 10 by the end um, this time next week <laughs> If he doesn't get like a terrible injury against Ipswich or something, I've as watching that sure thing, um, it really affected me. Like I was really shaken up physically. Like had a little bit of trouble. I don't know. I just felt really physically uncomfortable after that. And it, it's that thing of the kind of the risk of football. You know, it happens so rarely in relative terms that most matches just pass off without a hitch or someone gets a little knock or something. But you know that when you see something like that, and you just the the kind of fragility of it all, it's it's like it's just really important to appreciate moments, and it? it's really important to appreciate life as it is right now. We're all looking ahead to like, well, when are United going to win the league again, or when are we going to sign X player or whatever? But there's there's a lot to be said for living in the here and now, and and just celebrating what is before you, and you know all that kind of malarkey. Uh, but talking of not wanting to dwell on the future too much should we predict some results for this week well given my deep understanding of Ipswich <laughs> which we've uh, already established I'm going to completely make up a number okay. here so I'm going to say it's going to be a 3-1 victory for United okay uh, I think we're going to win 2-0 I don't know why I think that that's I think these are some numbers that you can say out of your mouth and it's a football score so it could happen uh, Sunderland, it, I mean, they're going to totally park the bus, but we now seem to have a way through a parked bus, which is a, a really nice change. So 2-0 to us again. Wow. Wow. You're actually going to keep a clean sheet? Yeah, God, against Sunderland, surely. Surely. I mean, I mean uh, actually, the, the more fun prediction is not uh, what the score is, but what percentage possession United will have. <laughs> so somewhere between 75 and 80, I reckon. I'm going to go with 72% possession against Sunderland and 57 against Ipswich because the kids are going to not keep the ball as well and Ipswich will be super up for that one. Wow, we've started a new feature on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
percentage possession. I don't ever remember what scoreline we predicted, so there's no way I'm going to remember what percentage possession we predicted. No, so I, I will also pick a 2-0 victory against Sunderland. There you go. Well, what we should have, we should also have a, like on the day-to-day where they had a body count, we should have a Rooney count. How many times do we use the word Rooney in the uh, podcast? And uh, and we should have a little you know wager on that one because I keep, keep saying Rooney, 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 Rooney until... We get to the number that I really need. Yeah, but that, I feel like that's that's like footballers better betting on the number of throw-ins in a match. You've got too much control over the outcome for that to be a fair wager. I'd, I'd have to be counting at the time, though. Yeah, that's true. Click, click. <laughs> you just need a little clicky, exactly. Um, I don't know. It, how can you not? We, we, this podcast is about talking about Manchester United, and Rooney is the Manchester United captain. He's the longest serving player and is going to be the highest scorer and all that stuff. And he's supposed to, he's our highest played player and he's supposed to be one of our best players. So he's going to come up. Right. So uh, if you want to get hold of us between now and the next time we record a Rooney cast, you can do so. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at UDD Rantcast, get Ed at United Rant. Get us both at facebook.com slash United Rant. I say get us both. You haven't done anything there for a very long time, but I click like on stuff. If you want, if you want me to click like on something that you've got to say, say something nice about the Rankcast on our Facebook page, and I will click like on it. Very good, very good. I, I've discovered um, an alternative to the block button. Oh yeah, on on Twitter because yeah. they finally made it easy to mute. You had to go and set filters and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. before, but on the app you can just hit a button now. It's magic. So, so it's like a yellow and red card system. It's <laughs> awesome. The thing is, muting's lovely because. People just don't get that extra level of anger. They can just they can say what they like and let it out of their systems, and we don't. That's right. To howl, it. howl into the wind. <laughs> Quite. Uh, but if you yeah. want to say something nice, or you know, like it's not like you have to agree with us. Just if you could be polite, that would be an advantage. It, it's just that I, I don't. Yeah, disagree. It's fine. It's fine. We disagree on this podcast all the time. You you are yet to call me an old fat. <laughs> To be fair, I'm yet to call anyone that, Ed, so... Um, all right, we've got to go. Unitedrant.co.uk slash tip jar if you want to chuck us a few quid to say thank you for the podcast. But that's up to you entirely. And uh, we'll be back. We'll see you next time. See you next week.